0: hey what's going on good people it's gardner douglas your oyster ninja um, host of the oyster ninja podcast we're i got mr scott sanner and uh you know he he's the man behind oyster tins as you can see for the youtube folks um he just got that beautiful backdrop of all those daggone oyster tins and um you know for, for for the people in the oyster community i mean oyster tins are are just collectibles Um, I'm sure he can give us all the details on you know where the popularity became came from and all of that good stuff what's going on Scott how you feel man
1: I'm doing great how you doing
0: man I can't complain man I'm I'm getting uh fidgety looking at all them cans man
1: (laughs) it's a lot of effort that went into that collection I'll tell you
0: no doubt I bet yeah where so how did you get into this man where does love come from
1: you know what, it, 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 uh, I, I use the phrase, it started simple. We have a house on the water and, and we were looking to do a nautical collection or nautical kind of theme of the house. And so we're going into antique stores around the area and uh, looking for just whatever it may be. I got a 1949 Evinrude Outboard hanging on the wall next to me uh, and I saw an oyster tin. And actually, um, I have that with me for those that can see it on the audience. This is the first one I ever bought. Um, it's not a very good one. Actually, and I probably overpaid for it at the time, but it, it you know it met that nautical theme, and it started with that, which turned into two, uh, which ultimately turned into this passion for a collection and the pursuit and the hunt and all the things that go along with it.
0: Nice man. So, like, did you know about oyster tins before you actually got into it? Like, what was your, how'd you like even know like this is a thing?
1: Yeah, not really. Honestly, we um, we were really just kind of shopping for themes at the time. And, and I got the first one, uh, and it had some kind of details and clues on it. Like they have the packing houses stamped on the back and, uh, and I'm a kind of a history buff, especially for the area and the local history and things like that. and Really that's what triggered it. Uh, and then I started looking for more. And at first, obviously they're, they're easier to find, especially the lower dollar ones. And now I got, I'm getting into the point where they're, they're harder to find, more difficult, more rare. And, and, uh, you know, so, so the hunt becomes more challenging now.
0: I can imagine, man. Um, uh, before we really get into the details, I just gotta know, like, is there one that's, what's the, what's the one for you that you've just been hunting and searching for?
1: The one that everybody wants is the wild duck. That's the one that's probably the most rare. There was an auction and somehow it escaped me uh, early 2020 and I, I just wasn't aware of the auction. Uh, shame on me, but that can sold for sixteen thousand eight hundred. Um, and there's a couple. There's one in the Maritime Museum at Saint Michael's. Uh, Jim Bannigan had one. Then there was this one. I'm I'm not aware of any other ones besides that. So that's kind of the Holy Grail, but but probably probably not something that uh, you'll come across more than once in a lifetime at best.
0: Well, I'm sorry to hear you missed out on the auction, <laughs> oh, man. I really am. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so how did the, the oyster tins even like become well, what were they first used for for the people don't that don't know?
1: Yeah, so so originally all the packing houses that surrounded the Chesapeake Bay, that was essentially the mechanism that they used to get them into the hands of people and to transport. Uh, And then before the the railways were really in existence, it was more for the local areas and the the places around the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, And then as the railways came into existence, they would find their their ways to Ohio and Pennsylvania and areas like that as as the railways uh, grew westward. So originally they didn't have all the refrigeration, et cetera, uh, so they were limited in where they went. But you'll still to this day find a lot of cans out of Ohio and and Iowa and places like that, those areas that are a little bit closer to the Chesapeake, not all the way across the country. Uh, and depending on how big the oysters were and they you'll see on the top of the cans um, for those that have the ability to see it like this one for instance says uh, standards on it if you can see it so that denoted a certain size and depending on how many or what size it was uh, would be a certain count effectively a number that was in those those cans so anywhere from a 90 for the biggest to 400 for the smallest
0: nice so um as far as so i found you on instagram what made you start an instagram account
1: but funny, funny story. I have a neighbor who he was a little kid when he started an Instagram account called Big Bad Boats, and he has one hundred and seventy thousand followers on that account. And I was he was I was talking to him one day and I said, well, shoot, if you can get one hundred and seventy thousand dollars about boats, I wonder how many people would follow Oyster Can. So I just set this goal of trying to get five hundred people to follow a can, which I thought was you know, just a challenge to me um and and i met that goal and i've exceeded it now now the new goal is a thousand to have a thousand followers so i think i'm at 870 now um but it's kind of you know it's it's fun to share it and and i like to you know a lot of people like to look at the lithographs and the designs and the history behind it and sometimes i put fun facts in there when i post them so
0: so uh, and you speak a little bit about the designs on uh, um cans what Mm -hmm. what went into um i don't even know if you know but like what went into like designing an oyster can because um i do i thought i had an oyster can handy it's probably around here somewhere but i got the uh the sailor boy and the sailor girl
1: right yep
0: Uh, those are like my favorites and the sailor boy i looked for a long time and i just didn't want to spend the money but i was like if this is the one i want let me just go ahead and buy it you know
1: exactly but yeah yeah,
0: like what went into like designing these oyster cans
1: yes so there's there's really two classes of cans there are the packing houses that designed their own which you see a lot of uh, across the backdrop Uh, and then you have what was called a stock can which that was the example of the first one I purchased this is uh, so there were minimum quantities that you had to buy so say 2,000 cans you had to buy if you did your own uh, own design And so where you see the stock cans being utilized, they're stamped on the back with the different packing houses, but all the cans look the same. And that's for packing houses that just didn't have the capacity or the desire uh, to buy, you know, that that kind of quantity. But really, if you think about it, and this is why part of the reason that I like it so much, because I'm a a business guy, I run a a business unit, uh, and this was all about marketing. And so you had every packing house was pulling oysters out of the exact same place. So the content of every single can, um, barring the difference between potentially the Atlantic and the Chesapeake, um, for the most part, everything in the can is exactly the same. And so they needed a way to differentiate themselves. Uh, And as it boiled down to it, it's really the design on the can, the attractiveness, the slogans they use uh, to make people feel more comfortable or loyal to a brand. And so it was really early marketing is what it was. And there are some beautiful designs. Uh, that came out of that. And, and I, you know, I think um, that's part of the reason that, uh, that they did it and that's what drove it. And then the other piece that you see within it is there was a lot of foodborne illnesses associated with, with raw uh, seafood, as you can imagine in the early days, especially with the the sanitation that they had. So there's a lot of statements on it about freshness. You'll see that kind of theme vary from uh, from can to can, freshness and, and the steps they take in sanitization, et cetera. But it was all meant to get that brand loyalty out there for a product that everybody had that was the same.
0: I know you said you, um, you know, your your golden can is the, the one with the duck. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. do you have a favorite design or anything?
1: Uh, 100% have a favorite design. <laughs> uh, this is this is my absolute favorite. Uh, it's called the original pack. Oh, uh, wow. It was my favorite for a long time. I I love the design of that particular can. Yeah. uh, The way they did it. It's vintage. Uh, I have, I searched for this can for a long time. I knew a person that had it and I knew he paid for it. I had the benefit of knowing what he paid for it. And I had a standing offer uh, into him that stood out there for a while, but uh, finally he wanted to do some renovations on his house. And so he relented. Uh, So, yeah, so I got that one. That was, that was my, that was my high, most highly sought after. That was probably the most difficult one to get to. I've only ever seen two of those for sale.
0: Wow, and that was one of them. Right, right. I'm sure you've probably beat me out on some eBay um, bids. Um, eBay's <laughs> tough.
1: <laughs> eBay can be tough because of the sniping that goes on on eBay. Yeah. You know, wait to the very end, five seconds, and it's not my preferred way to buy cans. Mm-hmm. I can um, understand it. Probably five percent of my total cans have been have come from from eBay. Yeah.
0: Nice. So um, besides the 5% from eBay, what, what's the, what's your best options for getting cans?
1: Yeah. So uh, it's my absolute A1 is private sales. Um, so, and I have chosen to concentrate my buy-in from a couple of different people. Um, and so I've become pretty good customers. I'm a collector, not a seller. So I don't flip cans typically. Uh, I have sold, but, but mo- for the most part, I'm a collector. And so I concentrate all my buying with a, a few different people that I know have access to really good stuff. Uh, and then um, I also, there's, you know, there's a couple different ways to do it for the average person. I have hunted uh, antique stores. The problem where I am right now is the more difficult, more rare cans don't come up too often in antique stores. But if you're starting or just looking for a, a small basic collection, antique stores are fine. Um, The only challenge around here is they tend to be overpriced. Um, They know what they're worth. Uh, They're highly desirable. They're not making any more of them. And so uh, it can be a little bit of a tough market. And then I will say another good option for people is uh, and this one's coming up as the Eastern Waterfowl Festival is coming up in November. Uh, There'll be a lot of oyster cans there. So if you're looking for something rare, get there on the very first hour. Uh, and if you're looking for a deal that last day, you can there's there's some deals to be had for, for what's left over.
0: Nice. So when you're looking at oyster cans, how do you go about, uh, I guess, grading the quality, or how do you know, like, if even if the quality is bad, it's still a buy. So how, can you break that down?
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a good question. And and there's a lot of variance to this answer. So uh, there's a there's definitely a curve associated with the value of, of oyster cans and what people want is. Uh, a very clean front, uh, no dents, um, you know, no rust on it. That, that when, when you get that kind of supreme quality that was never circulated, never used uh, and stored really well, uh, the value of those shoots up uh, really significantly at the end of the day. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a clean can. Um, but I will say that I do make um, some significant exceptions when it comes to something rare. So just to give you an example, um, this is a purity brand can. uh, And this is obviously I refer to this as crusty. I mean, it's got rust on it, uh, but this can never comes up. I've never seen this can come up for sale. Uh, And so I will make an exception for something that's really rare uh, just to be able to have it. And if I get the opportunity to trade up and for something better, then then I'll do that and sell this to somebody so they can have it as part of their collection. So that's kind of my my scheme. Um, it's all about what I want and how available is it to me, but always try to get clean if I can.
0: Nice. So are there other like collectors out there like you?
1: Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, there are. There's a lot of them.
0: So do you guys have like a, like a book club? Or like, what
1: uh, There's, there's guys, there's definite, definite collectors who have collections that are, that are way better than mine. There are those that um, I'll say trade in them. Uh, Why River Antiques is a good example of somebody who trades in them. And he's always at some point, you know, he's got, he's got some really good stuff. Um, and he's got a nice selection. He sells them on his webpage, so he's there. There's the kind of guys that are into the trade of that. So, yeah. In fact, I just this weekend I had I had uh, lunch with a guy uh, who's who's also a collector and a trader uh, as well. So, yeah. I guess to some degree it is a book club, if you will.
0: I'm not sure if you have kids, but what is your what does your family um, think of your collection, or do they think you go overboard with it, or do they get it?
1: Yeah, they could care less. <laughs> all of them. All, all all the other three. My wife and my two kids could could uh could they walk by them every single day. This is in the foyer, what you see in the background. They walk by every day and it means absolutely nothing to them. Until they figure out what they're all worth, then 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 they're they're gonna then they're gonna care.
0: I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. no doubt, man. And this is awesome, man. I appreciate you. Uh can we just can you just show us some of them, man? And uh
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll I'll start with the oldest and this this design goes back to probably 1880. So these were all handmade and it's probably difficult to see but the seams are all hand soldered. uh, And then they put that spout at the top and that's how they put them in. This is a can from Annapolis. Um, it was Dennis Claude. So best research I got says about 1880 on a can like that. So that's, that's pre uh, lithograph. Obviously it's not that attractive, but I got the Annapolis tie to it. And then also it's, it's the oldest one for me. Um, this is the Lewis Greb is probably the earliest lithograph tin that I have that comes out of Baltimore. So you can kind of see that vintage design to it. The other thing about a can like this, and you go into the dating of cans, when you see the bale handles on the can like this, that's a pretty good clue to about 1920, 1930 is when they stopped with the bale handles and it was simply a cost savings thing. Um, and then you'll see them get into uh, cans, which got into uh, essentially the 19, probably around the 1950s. This is a very popular design. People think that looks like Elvis. It, it was That's one cool. of
0: my favorites also. I want that one.
1: Yeah, Christie's, yeah. yeah. And in this particular case, this Christie's, you can see that seam on the side. Um, if you could feel this can, you would know the metal in it is significantly heavier than the ones that were used in the 60s and 70s. So there's this cost reduction thing that's occurring over time, but this one's still made uh, out of pretty heavy metal. So, uh, and definitely when, when people come to my house, that's one of the ones that they like the best. Right. Because they affiliate to to the to the elements piece. Um, the probably if you put, you know, something like the Tillman's uh, on eBay, those uh, would fly um, for bidding and things like that. It's a very attractive can to people. It's very desirable. So you can see that I worked hard on that Tillman collection, a couple half gallons up there and, and uh, three gallon Tillman's. So very desirable uh, and, and a can that that a lot of people continue to be after. And then I'm not much into having... In a lot of cases, there are different varieties and variations of cans. This is a Patuxent oyster can. So this is the first one of them. I feel like I got a little bit of a a link to this family because I work with Warren Denton's granddaughter. Um, So in this case, I do have uh, the three particular versions. This was the first one, but just to kind of show from an example of dating cans and kind of clues to use, you can see that um, they have the city and the state, but there is no zip code. Right. right. So this would be the pre five-digit zip code, which was in 1963 is when that system came out. And then you'll see this very similar can, uh, but they're using the five-digit zip code. So this would be after 63, and then the other one will be before it. So just, it's hard to date cans with precision, but you use clues like that to to help you go about that. And then I'll show you one other, this is all one of my, one of my favorites, not my most favorite, that was the, the original pack, but I've always loved this can from Baltimore Killian's with the mermaid on the front, putting the oysters uh, into the can. I think that's, that was a great design. Yeah, that's pretty cool that they did. Yeah. And that too, is a veil handle. So that goes, that's a hundred year old can. And honestly, you know, one of the things to me, like, you know, look, I probably have 150 gallon cans. The fact that people, Saved those cans for a hundred years and what basements and attics they probably sat in and what they stored i think is crazy to think about i've, I've gotten them everything bird seed in them and nuts and bolts and you know there was they were used for something obviously
0: right repurposed
1: uh, yeah they were obviously <laughs> repurposed so they, they never you think about when you open a, a pound of crab meat to make crab cakes first thing you do is you throw away the can that came in right um and so did everybody else and you know, crab meat's another example. This is a Tillman's crab meat. I've seen pictures of the packing house at, at Tillman's where these crab cans were stacked as high as you and, and spread across tables. That can's probably worth $300, $350 today wow. because everybody threw them out, right? Yeah. And and so I I don't know if the plastic stuff's ever going to be worth anything, but I save all the plastic uh, crab meat tins now just in case. Just in uh, case, you know, okay. Just in case, right? Yeah.
0: That makes sense because you never know. I mean, who would have thought that oyster cans, you know, probably. Exactly. You know, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So if worst case is somebody throws throws a, a hundred, uh, you know, plastic crab tins away 50 years from now. That's the worst thing that happens.
0: Um, You know what? So I, I see you have some of those little cans. No, when I go into antique stores, those are the ones I mostly um, see now. But, you know, like the, the tins and they have the, like the clear top. Mm hmm. Are, like are those uh valuable like i i guess i just i'm focused on the gallons but you know i always pass up the little ones
1: yeah the the pints and the the cords and things like that i think it's just for me i just desire the gallons because i think you can see the artwork on them better right um the downside to it is the bulky and i'm running out of place to put these things <laughs> no, I mean, this is one example but upstairs i have them stacked all over the place so wow that's the downside of it. Um, the 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 piece that you're talking about, where it had the clear top, that was actually, if I'm not mistaken, that was started by AMP because they had a desire to have a, a visual into the can so people could see the the contents. And so they had asked some packing houses to uh, change that design a little bit um, to give the customers a view of the product as well as the the outside of the can. But from a value perspective, not necessarily. It's, it's, the value is not really driven off that. It's more off the design and the rarity of the can and the condition. The
0: fakes. It's, it's some fakes rolling out here, right?
1: The, there there are. I, I think people have generally done a fair job, from my observation, of identifying them as reproductions when they're listing them for sale and things. I, I have not. And they do look different, by the way. If, if you know what you're looking for, they've not tried that I've seen to replicate exactly what it looks like. There's subtle differences that, if you're a collector, you it's it's boldly evident that it is a reproduction. Okay. Um, but but to be fair to those who are doing it, um, I've often seen them claim it in the title, even you know not even hidden in text anywhere, right. but that that it is a reproduction.
0: So yeah, I shouldn't say fakes, but the reproductions. I shouldn't yep. say yeah, yeah yep. reproductions. So like because i've even um i think somebody i want to say they wanted to do like an oyster ninja can like they said they could print out the logos and make it all but you know uh i don't know i think i might thought that was a i don't know junk mail or something i don't know i need (laughs) to contact them because that's a cool idea now that i'm thinking about it
1: no i i like it when the modern day uh, packing houses do that like cooper's island does that they do limited edition cans and i think they're great i think they're i mean it's reviving the past it's kind of living in the tradition that they're coming up with new ideas that are kind of about theirs and i, I think it's great when they do that i, I collect some of those because one day i think they'll be worth something
0: okay so, Okay. yeah got you got you now i do have i guess i got one more question um are you aware of thomas downing no no thomas downing so basically uh he was from the eastern shore and um you know he his parents were enslaved but got set free uh and then he went to new york and basically became like the king of oysters in new york now he has some jars that have like i think tea downing on it like you know like the brown and light brown those old like glass jars i want to say almost yep but so that's what i was going to ask about had you ever seen any of those
1: yeah, the the glass started. I, they started with glass before they started with tin, and I know they've used it throughout. But that was that preceded the the tin cans actually when they were doing that. There doesn't seem to be as much collectability on the glass. Um, the other piece there doesn't seem to be as much collectability on is when it has a paper label on it. Um, in some cases, there's some rare stuff out there that would be desirable, but for the most part, um, people want the metal with the the uh, design lithographed right onto it. That's that seems to be what most people are after. That's certainly what I find most attractive.
0: Okay. Okay. Anything we've skipped over? Anything you want to add? Any fun facts?
1: Uh, let's see. I think I think I gave it to you. I mean, if you really want to see the probably the one of the best collections out to, out there, that Chesapeake Bay Maritime Museum in St. Michaels. That's a great place to go to see some really wild stuff, including the wild duck. Um, but there's a really broad collection in there that they bought um, several years ago. So, you know, if, if you want to go experience it, that's a great place to go to experience it.
0: Okay, okay. All right, man. So uh, you can go ahead and shout out your, well, I guess if any Oyster 10 10- collectors like if if they're selling can they reach out to you or tell people where they can follow you at on instagram so you can get that (laughs) one thousand?
1: absolutely so you can you can follow them on instagram uh at oyster 10 that's that's the name uh and then i post there as i come across new stuff i have a bunch that i haven't posted yet too uh that i get to so yeah that's right that's where i am you can dm me and i'm happy to answer any questions that you have
0: Uh, um you appreciate you man um Thank you for taking time out your day, and uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be getting in contact with you, man. Because I I took a little break, but it's it's time.
1: That's great. Time. Thank you very glad much for having me.
0: Oh, Appreciate for sure, it. man, for sure. And glad right. to share. be safe, man. Have a good okay. One. Thank you.